Welcome to Conversations with Coley, where we have conversations about subjects we think about but often don't speak about. My name is Nicole Miller, and I'm the author of this book series, A Through Z, Guide to Raising a Good Human, a series I wrote to help in the communication process. Today, I'm speaking with Melissa Rolfs, life coach at Healthy Happy Mama, holistic coach teaching women how to be free and feel at peace with food, their bodies, their, and their lives. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. This is a subject I think hits a lot of people, but we don't talk about it because it makes us uncomfortable. So for your icebreaker question, if (laughs) if you could go back in time, what moment in your life would you change and why? I don't know. I feel like that's tricky because I don't know that I would change anything because I feel like even all the bad and yucky stuff I've learned from. Yeah change I don't know maybe middle school like those were just hard and awkward years and yeah my middle school career (laughs) there you go I can agree I can agree I remember middle school oh all right so fondly probably (laughs) no and I had flaming red hair and buck teeth so let's just say that (laughs) I had glasses and braces at the same time so you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) so tell everybody about yourself Yeah, well, I'm a wife. I'm a mom. We have a 14-year-old daughter and a 12-year-old son. And as you said, I'm a holistic health and life coach, and I help women find peace and freedom with food and their bodies and their lives. Because like you said, I don't think we talk about that a lot. I think we talk a lot about food being good or bad, and we talk about dieting and how to lose weight, but we don't really talk about how to make peace and find freedom in that. So that's really what I do. Awesome. Um, So have you experienced any childhood trauma? I have. In fact, um, this was so interesting to me. Trauma was a big piece of my journey and I didn't realize it. Um, When our son was a newborn, so this would have been 12 years ago, I was diagnosed with PTSD from childhood trauma, but never knew that trauma was the root of a lot of what I had gone through. I knew that, you know, my dad was, was murdered when I was two. That's a piece of my trauma. Um, And I knew that was part of my story and I'd been in therapy, but I was never diagnosed with anything surrounding trauma. So when I got that diagnosis, it was like, oh, okay, this is what we're working with. This makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm sorry to hear about your dad. Thank you. That's tough. Um, what ways did you deal with that trauma growing up? Food, sugar. (laughs) It was like, I remember being a little girl, Nicole, and being in my room and hiding food and it was cookies and candies and sugars and things that made me feel good in the moment. Um, I don't think my mom and stepdad had any idea I was doing that. And they probably wouldn't have unless we had little um, mice droppings on my bed that kind of told on me. So I think had we not had the mice issue, I don't know, they would have known that I was using food to self-soothe. Yeah. And I bet people don't really think that you're using food as like drugs and alcohol. Like for me with my trauma, I hid behind drugs and alcohol. So a lot of people don't correlate that, that food can also be like that, like a drug addiction. Totally. And it's, let's be honest. I think that's the tricky thing about it is it's legal. We need food to survive. Like it is a basic human need. Right. And so I think that's where it gets confusing in that this is a basic need. How can I be using it for, you know, coping with trauma or other ways that maybe aren't healthy and beneficial to me? Mm-hmm. I agree. Would you say 
you were suffering with an eating disorder. Yes, in high school, I definitely was. I went the other end of the spectrum um, and definitely wanted to be thin and, you know, have the acceptance of, of those around me and boys, a boy, crazy girl at that season of life. Um, and so I withheld for a while. I didn't eat because I wanted to be thin. So mm. I've kind of been on both ends where I've binged. I never made myself vomit. So I don't consider myself bulimic, but I did the binging without mm -hmm. the purging and then I withheld. So I've had disordered eating probably for more of, well, at this point, no, I can't say that because I'm past, like I'm in recovery from that. So I've been healthier longer than I was not. So that's good. <laughs> that's a good thing. Yeah. And I think with girls, um, we have are held to a certain standard to show our bodies to be perfect and thin is what is in. Were you Absolutely. an were you an overweight child or were you normal size but thought you were overweight? I was overweight. Okay. Um, do you think that you suffered with body dysmorphia? Yes, absolutely. So when you were maybe trying to do those crash diets and losing weight, did you still see yourself as that overweight child? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people don't understand too, when uh, women struggle or even men struggle with anorexia, they are bone skinny, but they see themselves as being that overweight person. Mm -hmm. I still, I think, struggle with that. I can't, I can't tell what I really look like. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. I think our self perception is distorted. Yeah, hugely. Um, I know when I was super thin and almost sickly thin, I mm -hmm. saw myself as chunky. And then mm -hmm. as I was gaining the weight, I saw myself as thin. And then all of a sudden mm -hmm. I'm 200 pounds. Like what happened? You know what I mean? So I think it can go both ways. It totally can. And I think part of that is that when women lose weight, people are so quick to compliment them and tell them how good they look. And so I think it almost feeds on this validation and approval of when I look a certain way, I get compliments. Whereas if people maybe gain weight and they go more that way, they're not being complimented. And so I think society plays a big part in that for sure. Agreed. 100%. <laughs> what triggered you to take your life into your own hands? It was my kids. Um, it was me realizing that I wasn't showing up as the mom that I wanted to be for them and that they needed me to be. And so that's what prompted me to change. Had it not been for them, I probably would still not be in a good place with food or my body or my life. I would still be, I don't, I shudder to think where I'd be. <laughs> so um, you say your children. Um, so where were you not showing up? Were you too focused on your body image and your dieting to be the mom you could be? Or can you explain that a little bit? I was living off of sugar to survive, to feel good. Cause I, I was literally in survival mode. Um, our son was a newborn. He wasn't sleeping. So I was exhausted. We had a two-year-old who had food allergies that we didn't know about and some sensory challenges we didn't know about. My husband was traveling for work and that was when I got my PTSD diagnosis. So I was literally in survival mode and living off of sugar and carbs and diet Dr. Pepper to get through the day and my blood sugar was all over the place. My moods were all over the place. I was tired. I was crabby. I was not pleasant to be around at all to anybody. <laughs> yeah. And it sounds like you had a lot going on and then postpartum depression on top of that, I bet. Absolutely. Yeah. Did you have moments 
in when you decided to take your life back, did you have moments where you were falling back into those same patterns? Yeah, it's interesting because I remember like I had met with a naturopath and we had taken more of a holistic route with the PTSD. And so I kind of started to become aware of how my body was feeling when it had different vitamins and minerals it wasn't used to getting. And then I expanded and I changed some of our food choices and remember really kind of finding that freedom from sugar and, and emotional eating and made a pan of, pan of brownies one day and was feeling kind of sad. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to eat a brownie. And I remember eating it and felt like, oh my gosh, it's not working because the sugar always used to make me feel good. It would give me that rush, that dopamine rush. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I remember eating the brownie and I'm like, this isn't working. And so I tried another brownie and it didn't work. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do because my old coping mechanisms weren't working. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like maybe it's like drugs, like you might've built a tolerance to it? 100%. And sugar is nine times more addictive than cocaine and it's in everything. So food manufacturers want us hooked. They want us addicted. Yeah. Um, I actually had a conversation with somebody five years ago and they said they were in college and they said that there was a study that Oreos were more addictive to rats than cocaine itself. Now that mm -hmm. I ever since that, I don't eat Oreos anymore. I really don't. Well, and think about that, right? Like cocaine is illegal. We know it's promoted as dangerous. It's deadly. We know that, but the Oreo is available in the local grocery store. Kids can buy it. Like it is insane to me that it's legal and socially acceptable and it's just approved. Mm -hmm. Like it makes no sense. Mm -hmm. And you're right. Everything that we consume has added sugar. Can you talk about some of the shame that surrounds having an eating disorder? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of shame. I think the root of it is shame. Like you don't feel like you're enough. And so there's, you know, the shame of that, like not feeling like you're enough or you're worthy or that you matter or that you're worth taking care of. I think that's kind of the foundation. And then it's this striving of, oh my gosh, I want to be enough. I want to prove that I'm worthy. I want to look a certain way. I want that validation. And it's, it's never a thing. Like you just can't earn it that way. It doesn't work. It's like that hamster wheel that we get on and you just can't get off. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I agree. What would you say to someone who has struggled for so long and has gained so much weight, they feel hopeless? There is always hope. There is always hope. And I think that's another really thing that frustrates me is that the diet industry is a huge multi-million dollar industry and it gives people fake promises because it doesn't get to the root of the issue. And with trauma, there's a huge correlation with weight gain and nobody's talking about that. Like, why are we not looking at how trauma impacts the body and how it affects our weight? And if that is the case and that is part of the issue, no diet or workout plan or pill patch or shake is ever going to touch that because the root of it is trauma. Yep. Yep. 100%. I write a book series that talks about like communication with your children and it delves into the trauma. And until you get to that root, you're never going to be able to get on that road to recovery, even with food disorders. Yeah, I think that's huge. So how do you suggest we as a whole stop placing judgment on what we feel is the ideal body weight? I think that comes with shutting out what society says because we're inundated. It's on social media. It's on magazine covers at the grocery store. 
Like it's on TV, it's everywhere. And we need to tune that out as much as we can. I know it's hard. Like one step of my journey was quitting my magazine subscriptions. I didn't need that constant barrage in my mailbox. Now it comes in social media, I realize, but I think it's buffering and quieting those voices and really getting in tune with yourself and your body and finding peace with your body and acknowledging everything your body does for you because our bodies are amazing and they do so much for us. And we can come when we have a place of respect and compassion and empathy towards them instead of judgment that can shift so much. Yeah. And, and little does everybody realize those people on those magazine covers feel the same way and they're, they're modified to look that way but that's not how they really look in real life and so I'm sure that there's a lot of scrutiny there so how does someone struggling to find freedom from food and body image how do you do that where do you start besides finding the trauma and getting therapy for that what's the next step I think the next step is changing your mindset and your beliefs everything comes from our beliefs right like our beliefs are the foundation that we operate out of. So if we can change our beliefs and how we view ourselves and the world, that shifts everything. And for me, that came through coaching. I did therapy. That was really powerful. The next step for me was coaching and really learning how to shift my habits, shift my beliefs, shift my mindset. And that changed my outlook and my perspective. Nice. Yeah. I think too, when we can help others, it helps us heal ourselves too. Absolutely. Yeah. Gives you a sense of purpose. So tell us about your program. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my program is called Finding Freedom. It's 12 weeks and it's really about teaching women how to listen to their bodies. I think so many of us are conditioned and programmed to listen to what everybody else is doing, what everybody else says, and we try it and it doesn't work for us. And so then we take on that shame and that spiral of, oh my gosh, I'm a failure and that's not the case. The case is that those programs, those plans, they're not designed for you. They don't honor your uniqueness. So we need to learn how to get in touch with ourselves and our uniqueness. And that's what I teach women how to do is how to listen to their bodies and learn what triggers them and maybe makes them reach towards food when they need another area of sweetness in their life. Um, so it's really about helping them learn to listen to their bodies and find that freedom and make that peace with themselves and their bodies and their lives. And that's different for all of us because we're all different. It's not a one size fits all. That's so true. And the one thing that I do hear a lot from people who struggle is, well, I've tried this diet, that diet, this diet, it didn't work for me. Or they maybe they started it and they got a result for a minute and then all of a sudden no result at all. And so it's really hard to find a program that works for you. So I like what you're saying there, because at least you're attacking everybody as an individual, not a broad spectrum. Absolutely. And it starts with those beliefs and those habits that we have. And those are formed in childhood. They're formed because of trauma and they're formed because of these different things in our lives. So if we can understand the root and where that comes from, then we can shift and, and accommodate where we want to go. Exactly. Exactly. So in your program, do you offer like recipes and diets for people? No, I mean, if people want them, I'm happy to give resources and suggestions, but it's really about teaching people how to listen to their bodies and what works best for them. And so it's really helping them tap into their uniqueness. Um, 
I, like I can that. offer that, but it's not something I like to provide. Again, we get stuck in that mentality of, oh, Melissa gave me this. She's a coach. I have to do it this way. And that's, that's not freedom. <laughs> yeah. And I like that. I like that you said that because that's another thing too, is there's a lot of people who are like, well, I don't want to eat a certain type of way. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I don't want to go completely vegan or I don't want to go this way or that way. And so you're absolutely right. You're attacking what's up here and then the rest will fall into place. Right. Absolutely. But we've got to start there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I think that a lot of people don't realize that, that it all starts with ourselves in our own brains and in our own hearts, you know, and then yes. you can make those positive steps. So how do you suggest people keep themselves accountable? Because sometimes I think when people are trying to get their eating disorders under control, mm -hmm. they have a hard time keeping themselves accountable. So do you have any suggestions? Yeah, it's funny you say that because I just got off a call with a client. We were talking about accountability. So um, I think the goal for me is for people to become accountable to themselves where they don't need that support. And granted in the beginning, we need that support. We need that accountability. We need that encouragement. We need that coach. We need that somebody to walk alongside of us. But I think my goal is to help people taper off from that accountability with me and find that accountability within themselves because they're with themselves all the time. We're always with ourselves. And if we can find that within us, that's going to give us the ability to power through and stand in our power when things are hard or tough. So I think absolutely getting support and accountability in the beginning when you're starting out, but then learning how to find that accountability within yourself is really the key to change. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I think too, if you let somebody um, kind of attach themselves to you and look to you as a crutch, then that is going to create a whole nother addiction. Codependency, <laughs> baby. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And unfortunately, when we suffer, we have all that that we have to brush off of ourselves. So people scoff at a healthy lifestyle. What do you say to them? I would like to know why they scoff because I did it too, right? Like before this journey began for me, I was incredibly judgmental. I called people granola. I made fun of them. And it was just because I didn't understand. I didn't understand why they were doing it. I didn't understand the benefits. So I think my first question would be, why do you scoff and what's underneath that? Because I think once you realize how much more energy you have, how much more clearer your mind is, how much happier you are, how much better you feel, how much better your sleep is, how much better your moods are. Why wouldn't you want that? Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, I've had people scoff at me because I do kind of push that make sure you take care of yourself, getting your eight hours of sleep. And people go, I don't have time for that. Well, you have to make time and the rest will fall around that. And so I'm so glad that you said that. It is true. I think too, the reason we scoff at things is because we have negative feelings toward it because it's secretly what we want for ourselves and we just don't know how to get it. Absolutely. And there might be some jealousy there. There's some underlying emotion that's sabotaging us probably. Yes, exactly. So if folks are suffering with this and they, and they don't take the first steps, what does that mean for their future? If, if somebody's suffering and they just are like, I can't do it. And they just stay in that. I can't do mentality. What does that mean for their future? 
I think it means they're they're stuck where they are and they're probably not going to go forward and make progress and live the life that they desire and that they see those other healthy people living that they're secretly jealous of. Um, I think for those of us with kids, it means the legacy that we're leaving our kids is dramatically different than the one that we could leave them if we would change and go forward and pursue that health. Mm-hmm. And, and probably early death, if, if mm-hmm. not trying to change. Yeah. Um, so talk about how folks can stay on a healthy food journey while they're on vacation or during the holidays. Cause I know a lot of people struggle. We just got back from vacation. Um, <laughs> and, and I think it's really, I hate this word, but I feel like it's true. I think it's, it's balanced, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's, mindset. I think it's acknowledging, you know, I'm on vacation. That doesn't mean I'm going to go all out and eat everything terrible and bad for me because I'm on vacation. It means, you know, I'm going to enjoy this trip. I'm going to nourish my body just like I would when I'm at home. We might have a special treat or two for us. We had some deep dish pizza that we love, but I had the pieces that satiated me and then I was done. I didn't feel the need to keep eating it because it was there or, oh my gosh, I can't always get this. I think it's the mindset around the food that we have. So it's the mindset of I'm on vacation, I'm going to enjoy this and I'm going to honor my body and listen to my cues of when I'm full, I'm going to stop and I'm not not just going to keep eating because it's there because I'm on vacation. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think too, it's that balance of, yeah, we had the pizza, but I also had vegetables and I had fruits and I ate foods that nourish me along the way as well. So I think it's really kind of finding that sweet spot that works for you. I think the holidays can be tricky or because there's more emotion around that holidays can bring up a lot of feelings. They can bring up hurts. They can bring up family dynamics. And I think the key is to understand why you're eating and really ask yourself, why am I eating right now? Am I hungry? Am I eating to numb or stuff or buffer a feeling that's uncomfortable because it's the holidays and I'm stressed out, but really get curious on why you're eating. And I think that that can be really insightful. Yeah. So when you were on vacation in maybe in the beginning of your journey, um, when you would eat something that, you know, was fun for you, like a deep dish pizza, did you ever feel guilt after? Mm -hmm. And so how did you, how did you get through that? Yeah, I felt guilt and I would feel like, oh my gosh, I need to exercise because I eat this pizza and it's bad for me. That was my mindset, right? Was food was good or bad. And so I think kind of working through that, you replace the judgment and you replace it with curiosity. What am I looking for in this moment? What am I hungry for? Well, we're on vacation. We like deep dish pizza. I'm going to eat it. I'm going to honor my hunger and fullness. Whereas before I would have just eaten all the pizza because my mindset would have been, we're on vacation. It's time to live it up. I don't ever get this. I'm going to go all out and just kind of gone overboard with it. Whereas this time it was, you know what? I honored my body. I'm good. I'm just going to keep on nourishing myself and go along. And there wasn't all of this brain space occupied and all of this guilt and shame and condemnation that was there before. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of people that's where they fall off is Mm -hmm. either around the holidays or when they're on vacation, because like you said, Oh, I never get this. So I'm going to, yeah. Alcoholics do it too. Oh, I'm on vacation. I can drink Mm -hmm. a six pack maybe instead of just one beer. Yeah. And then what we do is we get into the whole, oh, well, I had this, so now I can have, and it's just like this floodgate has been open for all of this other stuff that we normally wouldn't eat or that we know maybe doesn't make us feel good 
because while we screwed up once, we might as well just keep on screwing up. And that's sabotage. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And that's so true too. I've actually quit diets because maybe I overindulged one day and I was like, well, I did it yesterday. So I'll go ahead and just keep doing it. And guess what? Before you know it, the pounds are back or, you know, starve yourself. Oh, I'll eat tomorrow. I'll eat tomorrow. And tomorrow never comes. I think that's what restriction does, right? Like it, tells us that this is bad, we can't have it. And where the mind goes, the man follows. So we're thinking about what we can't have and obsessing over it. And because our mind is going there, eventually we give in. So I feel like it's better to say, you know what? I want some pizza. I'm going to have some pizza. I'm going to stop when I'm full. And then you don't go off the rails with it. Yeah. And with exercise too, did you ever in, in your journey, um, struggle where maybe you were exercising too much. I've done that mm-hmm. where it was like, now the addiction is exercising too much. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that was something else I noticed on this vacation was I moved my body. I wasn't like committing to a full, you know, 30 minute workout, but we were walking, we were biking, we were active, we were moving. And so I feel like it was like, had gone from this place of legalistic, like I have to do my 30 minute workout. It has to look like this da, 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 to, you know what I'm moving, I'm getting the exercise. It looks different and that's okay. So I yeah. think that mindset. Yeah. And so in your opinion, do you think that maybe if somebody's like overweight, but they don't have the energy to do like a 30 minute workout, do you mm-hmm. think just moving the body is better than not at all? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the key is to find something you enjoy. Cause I think a lot of people hate running, but mm-hmm. they feel like they have to run because that's healthy and that's how they move their body. But if you hate something, you're not going to continue with it. So why not find something you enjoy doing, whether it be walking or swimming or biking or whatever, and find something and build on that. And that's going to get you that quick win and that momentum going forward. And everybody's looking for a quick fix when they're losing weight. What do you suggest that they do to change that mindset? I think focus on health because there is a big difference between weight loss and health. And it's how you lose the weight. It's either taking you towards health or taking you further away from health. And there are a lot of people that are pushing the weight loss that's taking you away from health. So I think focus on health is the overall goal, knowing that the weight loss is a byproduct of that. That is great. Yeah, that's absolutely true because people do focus on, oh, I haven't lost this X amount of weight or I'm still gaining. They focus on that. Do you suggest someone trying to get healthy? Do you suggest that they check their weights? I think that depends. If you have a history of disordered eating and that number on the scale is going to throw you off, absolutely not. If you have not had a history of disordered eating and you think that you can emotionally manage the number on the scale, whatever it is, and you want to do that for progress, yes, I prefer to do how the clothes fit. I like that better um, just because I feel like that gives people a little more leniency and we don't get so hung up on that number that really doesn't have a whole lot of value. This is true because for myself, I say I have a thin 135 and a heavy 135. I can, my clothes can fit so much better, but that number never changes. 
Yeah. It'll stay stuck. And then the next time I step on it, it's like, holy shit, where did 20 pounds go? But really the inches were going away the whole time. So yeah. I think that you're right. Focusing on how do your clothes fit instead of that number on the scale? Because I think that that's where discouragement comes in. We see the number. It's not changing. I've been dieting for months. Why am I still blah, 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 weight? Absolutely. And I think too, along with that, moods are a great way to check. How's your energy level? How's your sleep? Like there are other indicators of health along with how your clothes fit that you can use as a gauge as opposed to just the scale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's say I'm overweight and I have zero energy, zero motivation, zero desire. What advice do you have for that person? If you don't have any desire, I would encourage you to figure out why you want to change. And if you want to change, you can absolutely do it. But if you don't and the desire is not there, I don't know that there's a lot that can be done. So do you think that's more of a mental health journey over a mental health or maybe self-worth? I think a lot of times if we don't have the desire to change, maybe there's a belief that we don't believe that we matter, that we're worth taking care of, or that we can change. So I'd be curious what that belief is um, and kind of uncover that a little bit more before going one way or the other. Right. Do you cover that kind of stuff in your program? Yes, absolutely. It's all about beliefs and what we believe about ourselves and how we show up and what holds us back. Because there's there's something there. And we have a whole session that talks about forgiveness and sometimes that forgiveness we need to extend to others and sometimes that forgiveness we need to extend to, our, to ourselves. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't think a lot of people put that into play when you think of forgiveness. I don't think a lot of people think about forgiving themselves. Do you feed your family differently if you're trying to be healthy? Nope, we all eat the same way. I When our daughter had her food allergies, I was like, you know what, if she has them, they probably came from somewhere. So I got tested. I had them. Our son had them. And I'm like, well, we're all going to eat this way because we just are. <laughs> we're <laughs> going to eat more than one meal because I knew that yeah. was So yeah. we all eat the same and it's just how it goes. <laughs> yeah. I know a lot of people who are like, well, I can't go on a diet because then I have to cook my family X and I have to cook myself Y. I don't agree with that necessarily. I think that puts I don't agree with it either. Yeah. It's like, why are you as a mom giving your child something that you can't have on this diet? Is it really good for them? If you can't have it on this diet, is it good for them to have? No, probably not. So if you were, oh, go ahead. Sorry. (laughs) It just makes me mad because then you're setting them up for disordered eating. Like, oh, as the mom, I have to eat differently. No, like, yeah. Have a healthier relationship with food and focus on that. Not on like that's on the plate. And I mean, that's important, but like get to the why behind the matter. Why are you feeding your family differently? Yeah, I agree. Um, so say you raise your kids in an unhealthy eating lifestyle, and then you decide I want to get healthy. I want to make changes. How do you suggest implementing vegetables and things that your children had never seen before and getting them used to eating that? Well, there's a couple of ways you can do that. You can go about that sneakily um, and you can like puree them and hide them and sneak them in and that may work. I would probably suggest that they'll be able to taste them because I did try that. 
Um, but I think the other thing is to just be open and honest with them and encourage them to try new things and, you know, explain this is why we're doing this. I'm doing this for my health. I would love for you to do this with me. Would you like to try some of these vegetables? I think the other thing I learned in one of my certifications was that if you can give the child um, some ownership and buy-in on the foods that they're eating, take them to the store with you, let them pick it out, let them have recipes, they're more likely to be on board instead mm -hmm. of the sneaky option that I first suggested. <laughs> but I think part of it depends on how old the kids are in your communication with them as to why you're doing this and why you want them to do it with you. I think that will depend on age, obviously. I like that. Yeah, I did it both ways. When I had my first four children, I let them prepare the foods and mm -hmm. they were more willing to eat them because yeah. they cooked them. Yeah. With my last two, my son had um, a disorder called ITP, which meant mm -hmm. he was he needed a lot of iron rich foods. And mm -hmm. I would put spinach in the spaghetti sauce and he would say, mom, what's this green stuff? And I said, herbs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he ate it. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know if I, I don't know if that was necessarily the right thing to do. Um, well, it worked. <laughs> yeah. So what if you have teen children who've, you've just been feeding the junk to because that's how y'all ate. Um, is there, do you think it would be the same way? Like if they participate and they, they may be more inclined to eat that kind of stuff. I would hope so. I think teenagers are tricky. Um, I think they have to be willing to do it versus forced to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. My, my two, my two youngest are now teens and mm -hmm. I think they live on trash mostly, <laughs> but they stay skinny. I don't know. <laughs> Must be nice. So do you have any other thoughts to those that are listening? I think food is complex. I think our relationship with food is complex. I think there's a lot of variables. And I guess I would just encourage people to look at food beyond weight, because I think our society and our culture places such a big emphasis on food only as it correlates to weight, but it has such an impact on sleep. It has such a big impact on mood, on mental health, emotional health, obviously physical health. But I feel like Food is so multifaceted and affects so many areas of our lives. So if we can broaden that lens of viewing it beyond just weight and really viewing it as a way to live a healthy, happy, fulfilling life and do what we're made to do, I think that shifts our relationship with it. And that shifts how we eat, that shifts how we show up, that shifts how we nourish ourselves. And I think replacing judgment with curiosity around that can be really, really powerful. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So where can people find your program? On my website, free, the number two, the letter B coaching.com. So free to be coaching.com is my website. There's contact info, um, info on my programs and what I offer and some freebies are there as well. Awesome. And I'll also put that in the show notes. Great. All right, Melissa, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. I love chatting with you. It's been great. Yeah, I love it too. I'm going to go ahead and if you like this and other episodes, please click subscribe, like, and share so others can enjoy them too. Thank you so much for listening.